Good morning. Good morning. First off, um, it's an honor to stand here before you all this morning and, uh, you know, to, to be here and invited by Pastor P to deliver the word to you. Um, obviously, preaching is a sacred responsibility and it should always be approached with that in mind. Uh, we should never carelessly proclaim the gospel. Um, and so thank you again for this honor of being able to be here this morning and to worship the Lord with you and to just enjoy a little bit uh, with you all, uh, our extended family, the extended family of St. Thomas. Because um, we're all one body. That's right. So in having, in having said that, uh, and to use a biblical, a biblical metaphor, I know Pastor P has cultivated this nice olive tree of a sermon series that he's calling Beyond Living. And so I know uh, what, he's preached two weeks of it so far. And then he's decided to uh, invite me in. <laughs> so here I am uh, as this, this wild olive branch being inserted into his cultivated nice and beautiful series. Uh, but that's the way the Lord works, right? Amen. So after, after all, the, the Lord cultivated Israel into being this beautiful olive tree and then, you know, for the world to behold and to see that he's faithful and he's great and all these things. And then he decided to open it up and graft this wild olive branch, the nations, the Gentiles into it. And that's us. It's because of what God decided to do that we gather together here today as the people of God. We are that wild olive branch you know, and obviously the Lord's ways are mysterious, but he knows what he's doing. So he knows what he's doing, and i got to trust Pastor P that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> so that said, again, thank you, Relevant Church. Thank you for letting me, a West Virginia boy who's a former Pentecostal youth pastor turned into an Anglican priest, <laughs> deliver the gospel package to your front porch. Uh, I may not... Uh, Recalling back to last week's uh, sermon from Pastor P, I may not be Pastor UPS, um, but I'm happy to be Father FedEx. <laughs> so so let's, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word and in the opening prayer uh, as we continue to discover that there's more to life than just living. Uh, so let us move from living into beyond living. This morning we're going back. Right, I'm taking you back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1. Or verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy, for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the, is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. 
In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in, that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his main manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor thy things that is thy neighbor's. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So in my expression of the faith, the Anglican tradition, we recite the Ten Commandments on the first Sunday of every month. And there's great truth in them, and there's great life in them. And while I could spend my entire time here before you precious people this morning preaching through the entire list, I actually only want to hit on one of them. Verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Traditionally, this verse has been understood to reference the, how we use the Lord's name. Right? For instance, when we, we hit our thumb with a hammer or when we as believers stub our toe, which... Uh, thankfully, because of the blood of Christ, it's about as close to hell as we have to worry about getting. I mean, how, how many of you all have ever gotten up in the middle of the night to pray or to eat brownies? And then you stubbed your toe. And then you stubbed your toe. And all you can say is, Lord, thou hast forsaken me. Amen? So this morning, I just want to take a moment and show you that it is not simply a matter of our careless outbursts of the Lord's name in moments of intense emotional or physical states, something which I imagine we're all guilty of at some point in our life, but it's so much more than that. In Judaism, uh, to ensure that they don't abuse the name of the Most High, the Tetragrammaton, look at your neighbor and say, Tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton. The, the Tetragrammaton being the four letters of uh, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, the name of God, they simply do not use it. And instead, they either say Adonai, my Lord, or they say Hashem, the name. And while building a fence around the name of God is one way to ensure that there's the sanctified use of it, we understand the fullness of God to also be found in His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And many also use Christ's name carelessly. And though using his name as an explicitive is definitely not acceptable behavior, again, there is more to taking God's name in vain than merely our vocal conduct, right? In our verse, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. If we go back to the roots, say, back to the roots, Come on, say back to the roots. You guys are a talking church. That's one thing I realized. Of course, we are too, but we, we have a, a much more uh, 
formal and not extemporaneous form of talk back. So back to the roots. So let's look at the Hebrew word there that, that is translated as take. It's nasa, which is mostly translated as take or as an odd choice sometimes as misused. And we discovered that though this word also means bear or more importantly carry. So we get this idea, this connotation that whatever we nasa is something that we take, that we carry, that we bear upon us. For instance, in the Old Testament, we find these, uh, this same word being used throughout. And two specific exa examples I want to mention to you this morning is Genesis 4.13, which is uh, Cain had just killed Abel. And God tells him that his life was going to become extremely hard. And Cain said unto, said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Cain is telling God, I cannot bear it. I cannot handle the repercussions of my actions, of my sin. Thy judgment is too heavy. Cain realized that he was incapable of bearing the weight of his disobedience. And the other is Genesis 47, verse 30. It says the, the hour of Israel's death was approaching. He called his son Joseph, and he said to him, I will lie with my fathers and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. Israel tells his son, carry me from this land. Return me to where I'm from. It's as if he prophetically knew that Egypt was to become a place of bondage and not freedom. And so this word, Nassau, it can mean take, it can mean carry, it can mean bear. A few other things as well. Nonetheless, this morning, let us specifically consider what it means to carry the name of the Lord. Thou shalt not carry the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that carrieth his name in vain. Say, carry. Carry. Oh. <laughs> I'll become as natural at this as, pa as Pastor P once uh, <laughs> by the end of the sermon. And so names, names used to mean something, right? The scriptures testify to that. There was uh, great uh, intentionality in the names of people and these things. And they're recorded for us. Sometimes we think they're boring lists, but there's a reason they're there. People had names with meaning and names with significance. And my sons, I mean, they, we named them with significance because they carry my name. They are my legacy. They're my sons. Uh, my oldest, which I guess they, they scooted out, probably too embarrassed, but Solomon, so my oldest, my oldest son, Solomon Ethan Enoch, my first son, named after the wisest man who was only surpassed by Christ. He was named after a Levite, a priest, during the, the reign of King David. And finally, he was named after the only man to have ever walked faithfully with God and then was no more because God took him away. Then my youngest son, Jude, Jude Knighton. He's named after two men who impacted my life. Pastor Jude Fuquay, a pastor at, or at the time, he was a pastor at the City Church in Washington State. And uh, me and Myra had the privilege in 2003 of hearing him and meeting him at a conference in Williamsburg. And I was inspired by his sermons and they breathed life into me as a fledgling Pentecostal youth pastor. And then Knighton, my, son, my youngest middle name, it was, he was given that name to carry in honor of my maternal grandfather who passed in December of, of 1989, rocking my eight-year-old world. 
So my sons, they were named with significance and intentionality. You know, and nowadays, and I guess it's and it's been all this for years upon years, but you know, people name their kids whatever they choose, right? Based on a variety of factors. Sometimes it's silly, sometimes it's what's the most popular book or popular movie, but sometimes it's with great intentionality. Regardless though, be it our name or something else, we all carry, we all bear something that defines us. And when, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in the country, in West Virginia, as I said, and, you know, it, it, it was, you know, a simple, simple life or whatever. But then when I became a teenager, I got a job in the city, uh, which compared to Newport News, is no city like that, but it was a city nonetheless. And so in middle school, I, me and my best friend had a reputation in our little country school for fights, you know, getting in fights with people and, you know, me and him together because where there's two of us, we're unstoppable. So we would go and fight these people and we would do this stuff. And most of the time we flew under the radar and were able to get away with it, you know, uh, surprisingly, strangely enough. But later when, when I became working age and I got this job in a city, I couldn't, I didn't have that reputation. It didn't follow me from the, the country, the small country school and into the big city. However, I had family in that city and the mention of their last name would deter, would deter trouble from coming my way. Not because of fame, but rather because of infamy. This particular surname caused others to back off. The name my cousins carried meant something in that city albeit the connotation was negative. But it, one of my cousins actually, you know, when his daughter was born, he didn't let his daughter bear his last name. His daughter took his wife's maiden last name because he didn't want her to bear that weight, that negative connotation. And obviously I don't boast about this, but it reminds me of a quote concerning us as believers that I read from the 19th century Anglican Bishop J.C. Ryle. He said, let your Christianity be so unmistakable, your walk so straightforward, that all who see you may have no doubt whose you are and whom you serve. Say no doubt. No doubt. Get better. <laughs> and that's what it means to carry, to bear the Lord's name purposefully and not in vain, that there should be no doubt as to who you belong to. Well, the most basic level, uh, the most basic levels of us identifying as Christians insinuates what? That we carry the name of Christ, that we are Christ-like, that we are the, the child of God, that we are, uh, you know, uh, little Christians, little Christs, as St. Francis of Assisi calls us. It insinuates that the very name we carry is the name that he chose us to carry. Because after all, Scripture tells us that we didn't choose God, God chose us, right? He knew that we could bear His yoke. He knew that we could bear His teaching, obviously through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But we bear the name of Christ. And so over the next few moments, I just want to take, I'm going to share with you three ways how we can carry His name in victory. The St. Paul tells us three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is? Love. Amen. All right. 
So faith, we as Christians, we're people of faith, right? We believe Jesus is God's only son, his only begotten son. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God by the Holy Spirit. We believe that there's only one way to heaven and that it is through Christ and Christ alone. And all those, we also believe that all those who do not carry his name will unfortunately never be with him. The weight, and the reason for that is because the weight of a faithless life is just too much. It's too much in light of eternity. So how can we not become people of faith? We cannot let that weight crush us. Our faith is what defines us. It's what holds us together. Without it, we are lost without Christ, and we will be swallowed up by our sin. So going back to Cain, he says... He sins, right? He kills, he kills his brother, and, he, and the Lord comes in, and then he says to him, Lord, I can't bear your judgment. Because without faith, like Cain, we, we, we wouldn't recognize sin. Without faith, we do not even know how to carry his name. We have to be people of faith, people of conviction, we have to stand for what is right, especially in a world that seems so wrong in so many ways. Yes. When we are people of faith, we carry the gospel with us wherever we go. We don't just go home and then take it off and set it on the shelf. No, it's constantly on us. We're marked. It's a tattoo on our soul. We can't set it aside. We can't put it in the closet. We can't ignore it. It's there. Don't carry it in vain. We're living examples of what it means to be Christ-like. That's why we are Christians. Our faith shows us how to be holy. Our faith will sustain us when life goes wrong. Our faith connects us and brings us together. It's because of our common faith that an Anglican priest stands before you here this morning delivering the Word of God. St. Paul tells us there is one body and one spirit, yep. even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So here we go. So stay with me. Say one body. One body. One spirit. One spirit. One Lord. One Lord. One faith. One faith. One baptism. One baptism. One God. One God. This faith, as we carry the name of Christ, and we carry it into victory, this faith is what allows us to carry hope to the hopeless. In 2013, my, my family, uh, you know, we, we were rocked by addiction, and we found ourselves on the brink of explosion, right? Uh, custody was surrendered and divorce was on our tongues. But faith prevailed as the strong arm of Christ's body, the church, grabbed a hold and helped us make it through the storm. There was plenty of darkness, plenty of hurt words, but hope, hope is what remained. And ultimately, hope triumphed in my family. Doesn't matter who I am, 
doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what my story is. It doesn't matter what your story is. Because Christ is not afraid of your story. Amen. He's not Amen. afraid of my story. In Him, hope is found. In Christ, every chain can be broken. Chains of addiction, chains of grief, chains yes. of depression, chains yes. of hopelessness. Yes. And the list goes on and on and on. But in Christ, all those things can be broke. All those things can be put under the foot. And we can stand upon them to reach higher and higher in our faith and in the hope we have in the Lord. Things may not always work out the way that, that we want them to. I mean, that's just life. They don't always work out the way we planned them to. Again, that's just life. But our situations, they're not beyond redemption. Amen? Amen. If we look back at Israel, again, we jump back to look at Jacob at Israel and, and his son. He made his son Joseph swear to carry him out of the land that would eventually be their bondage. Israel, he found hope in knowing that he would be buried with his fathers and not among the pagan Egyptians, not in the ground in the corrupted world. In Joseph, his son, we can find aspects of Christ. And just like Joseph promising his father, promising Israel that he would not be left in Egypt, Jesus promises us that we will not be left to death and to hell and to the grave. But we have hope, hope in Him, hope to move from living to beyond living. Hope that says we will be with the King of glory for all of eternity. Amen. God will not abandon you. And He will not leave you where you are at. All we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. The very name that we as believers carry. For the name of the Lord, Scripture tells us, is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and they are safe. Because there's hope to be found there. There's refuge to be found there. So find your rest in the Lord, church. And as you carry His name righteously, purposefully, with intentionality... As you carry that name forward, and the righteous hope found in the Lord's name, you can rest assured that all men, through your life, all men will be drawn unto the Father. All men will be drawn unto Him to experience the real faith, the redemptive hope, and ultimately the righteous love that we as Christians all rejoice in because we carry His name purposefully and intentionally and not in vain. So faith, faith will last. Hope, hope, hope will last. And love. So going back to my teenage years, once I became a believer in October of 1997, I was in high school, and I guess I was uh, 16. You know, I, I still had my angry moments, you know, uh, I didn't get in fights in high school, mostly because my buddy dropped out, and so I didn't have a wingman. Or maybe I was, maybe I was his wingman. I don't know, but he wasn't there, so 
I, I wasn't, you know, confident enough to take people on. You know, <laughs> they were bigger than me as a freshman. So, uh, I mean, I got married. I was like a, 120 pounds. So, and my friend was like 280. So he was my strong tower, right? <laughs> but, but in high school, you know, I became a believer. But I still carried some of that that anger and and, and stuff. You know, we got into various things, drugs and stuff. But, you know, I, I when I became a believer, I realized that I could not simply ask the Holy Spirit to step aside so that I could fight somebody or so that I could get in somebody's face. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He, he's like, no, nah, I ain't going nowhere. I'm right here. That's called conviction. You don't feel that way, you know. Instead, instead I was challenged to carry the name purposefully once yes. I became a believer. To carry it purposely and not to carry it in vain. So I had to just, you know, crucify myself, as Paul says, daily until the Lord took care and changed my heart. You know, the love, the love of Christ, was that when I became a believer, the love of Christ compelled me to love God and to love people which is the first and second greatest commandment, Jesus said. Love God, love people. Those ten commandments I just read you at the beginning, love God, love people is the distillation of all those down into just two. In the Torah, the first five books of Moses, there's 613 commandments, right? Most of them have nothing to do with us because A, we don't live in Israel, B, we're not Jews, and you know a whole variety of other reasons. But Christ's 613, 10, and he said, I can do better. And he shrinks it all the way down to two because he realizes that, again, we carry his name, right? And he told us his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 613 is not exactly light. <laughs> the good news is, by faith, as we walk in our faith and by as we walk in hope and as we walk in love and we carry the name of Christ purposefully, we actually live into the commandments that he told us, if you love me, you're going to do these things. Yeah. It's almost sub it's subconscious. We don't even have to intentionally do it most of the time, except when you get angry and you ball your fist up, then you have to remember to let it go. <laughs> so. Nowadays, my wife will tell you that I'm very, very slow to anger. And I suppose if we look at Hollywood, uh, specifically the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, all the big superhero movies, to be precise. We could say that while I was in middle school and, and in high school, my anger was something like uh, the Incredible Hulk, right? It, a raging fire. Yeah, smash. But after I found Christ, uh, I guess I kind of became, as, as what uh, Hulk tells Thor in the movie Thor Ragnarok, I became a smoldering fire. You know, no longer this raging inferno. But a smoldering fire, it can be revived, right? Yeah. And so I gotta constantly remember, you know, whose I am. I gotta constantly remember the name that I carry, which is one of the reasons why years upon years ago, I got some Hebrew tattooed, tattooed on my arms that says chosen messenger. So anytime I begin to forget who I am and who I belong to, all I have to do is look down and the reminder is right there. Wow. If it's not hanging on my neck, it's on my arms permanently. There's no escaping the fact that this is inked on my skin forever that says chosen messenger. You know, and obviously it's, it wasn't, it's not there for any of your sake, so it's not a boastful thing saying I'm more chosen. Even. This is for my flesh to remind me 
I'm chosen. I'm a child of God. I must live better than I lived yesterday. I must carry the name of Christ in faith, in hope, and in love more and more as I'm transformed and sanctified from glory to glory and moving to be more like Christ. Got to remember, chosen messenger, just like each of you. It doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to have reverend in front of your name, father in front of your name, pastor in front of your name, bishop in front of your name, apostle in front of your name, or any of the other gigantic long things that we like to use. (laughs) All you have to have is child, child of God, son of God, daughter of God. That's what's important. Because whether it's a pastor, whether it's, it's a school teacher, whether it's a coffee shop employee, whatever, we all carry the same name name of Christ Amen. so again going back you know it used to be this raging fire and now I'm more of this smoldering fire you know but I can't do the rock smoldering stare from Jumanji as I said but as I said in my life before Christ you know I I, I mean I, I of course I went with my buddy we were these 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 uh these things but by myself i was a shy and nerdy kid but with my friend i was this troublemaker you know a fighter but in october of 97 when jesus found me though i still carried that image it took a while to convince folks that i was no longer that person it took a while to convince folks that I had become a lover, a lover of Christ. It took a while for folks to really see that name of Christ on me and to realize that it wasn't some temporary tattoo put on there to look cool, but that it was a perm- it was permanent ink and it was never going anywhere and it was going to define me till the day that I died. Because I was changed. I, like all of us in this room, became a new creation. Say new creation. New creation. When I married my wife, uh, January 8th of 2000, this coming January, we'll have 20 years. Wow. So when 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 I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to marry her, and I was blessed by her acceptance of my, my, humble petition of, of, of her hand her name changed right she was no longer Myra Kirby she became Myra Hess and by God's grace she is still mine so. That's all right. she carried my she now carries my name and when we find Christ our name is also changed Amen. we are no longer doubter we are no longer lost. We're no longer despised. Instead, we become sons and we become daughters of the Most High. When we walk in righteous, redemptive love, when we carry the love of God, lives are changed. Both our lives and the lives of those that we impact and who are willing to respond to the grace and mercy of God. But when lives are changed, chains are broken. The same love that died for our sins all those years ago, all those years ago, is the same love that heals. The same love that mends broken hearts and weary hearts. The same love 
that restored our marriage that went to the brink. It's the same love that reached into the darkness in order to rescue me, in order to rescue you, and in order to rescue all those out here who repent and call upon the name of Jesus Christ, the crucified God-man from Galilee. So church, may we be people of faith as we carry the name of God forward. People who by faith stand on His Word. People who, because of faith, stand for truth and justice. People who, by faith, carry the name of Christ through the storm, no matter how close to the brink you get. Because there's someone out there that needs your testimony. There's someone out there that needs what you have. Yes. And church, may we be people of hope as we go forth carrying the name. People who know our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. People who know that by our hope there is a better tomorrow. People who are empowered by hope to carry the name of Christ into dark and scary places. Church, may we, may we also be people of love as we go forward carrying the name of God with intentionality and with purpose. May we be people who know that love conquers all. People who know that love is so deep and so wide that if we only but repent and turn from our wicked ways, this love will wash over us and cover a multitude and cover every single sin that we have ever committed. Because again, God is not scared of your story. Amen. There ain't nothing you did that scares Him. You might be scared of your story and what you walk through, but God, it doesn't bother Him whatsoever. May we be people who realize, may we, actually, may we be people that when we realize that God is love, as St. John tells us, and we carry his name where others fear to go. What I had to realize, and what all of us as believers need to realize, is that we cannot truly carry the name of Christ if we are not going to live for it in faith, in hope, and in love. We cannot carry the name of Christ unless we truly step into His promised abundant life, which moves us from merely living, but to a state of beyond living. So let's stand and pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to, to, to bring your word to your people, your body, the very people that you died for and said, you're worthy to carry my name. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and are weary. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and challenges us to not just be Christian in name only, 
and not just have Christian labeled on us on the outside, but to have it buried deep within our core. So that, God, we don't carry your name in vain, but that we carry it with intentionality, with purpose. We carry it in faith, we carry it in hope, and we carry it in love, leading to the transformation of lives, the transformation of hearts, the transformations of churches, of communities, of states, of nations, and of this world. God, to give you praise. And Lord, you know the story of everyone present in this room this morning. You know and the story of anyone that's watching this uh, live stream. God, you know what they've been through. You know what they are ashamed of. But God, at this time, may you speak to them and say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid of where you've been. I'm not afraid of what you've done. Come unto me. Come unto me. God in you is life abundant life a life that we could never have dreamed of and a life that we could never have achieved on our own merits but you said son daughter you are worthy of my death you are worthy just call upon my name So if there's anyone in the room this morning and you're just feeling moved in your spirit about something you need to connect with God over and you need prayer, I encourage you after service, see me, see Elder Kai, Elder Chanson. Because we're here to pray for you and minister hope, minister faith, minister love to you. To equip you so that as you go out into the world, you can minister faith, minister hope, minister love in the name of God. So Lord, be with your people, strengthen your people, encourage your people to live for you and to carry your name righteously and redemptively. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be upon you all, always and forever. So let us take just a moment to reflect on the Word of God and Christ proclaimed.